There is so much BS surrounding boards. I could write a book just on that alone. We've already discussed the bullshit of boards of directors directing and the bullshit of Robert's Rules of Order. Today, we're going to discuss the rest. Welcome to 501c3BS, deprogramming for organizational growth. I'm your host, Zoot Velasco. We just need one big fundraiser. Our clients are our donors. Bigger is better. Who cares what the mission statement is? I work in nonprofits. Bullshit! Today we're going to talk again to Jan Masaoka. In case you didn't hear it last week, here's a little bit of Jan's curriculum vitae. Jan Masaoka is CEO of the California Association of Nonprofits, a statewide policy alliance of more than 10,000 organizations speaking to government, philanthropy, and the public at large. She served 14 years as executive director of Compass Point Nonprofit Services and was named Nonprofit Executive of the Year by Nonprofit Times. She is the eight-time designee as one of the 50 most influential people in the nonprofit sector nationwide and was named California Community Leader of the Year by Leadership California. Jan served as chair of the Asian Pacific Islander Wellness Center and founding chair of community initiatives. She currently serves on the National Public Policy Committee of Independent Sector. Jan founded and wrote the Blue Avocado Magazine through 2015. Jan's books include The Best of the Board Cafe, The Nonprofit's Guide to HR, and Nonprofit Sustainability, Making Strategic Decisions for Financial Viability, co-authored with Jossie Bass. Jan also wrote with Jean Bell and Steve Zimmerman, Nonprofit Sustainability, Making Strategic Decisions for Financial Viability. I would be amiss as a, a host of a podcast on community-based organizations if I didn't talk to a luminary like yourself who's written books on, on boards to talk a little bit about boards. So um, we, we've actually done two episodes on boards. We did one on Ro- Robert's Rules of Order and how that is misused. And we did another one on the the, the uh, idea that a board of directors job is to direct everything and kind of dispel that okay. myth. But I would love to, because you're an expert on boards and you are, you know, really one of the, the great people of our, of our sector uh, with a lot of experience <laughs> and I'm not just blowing smoke. I mean, you have an amazing background. So I would love to Thank know, you. I would love to know um, what you think are some of the bullshit surrounding boards and how, and how to uh, recover from that? Well, there is an immense cloud of bullshit around boards, I must say. I completely agree with you about that. Uh, and I think I would say that a lot of it is about um, executive directors hiring consultants to tell boards and to write about things that boards should do that would help the executive director. Uh, and that's kind of a reflection or an indicator of the real problem, which is that what makes the board successful or not successful is the attitude of the executive director, period. And what executive directors need to know is that two things. First of all, the board is not there to help you or even to help the organization. The board is there to uh, hold the organization accountable to its community. Uh, and the second thing is, and 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 as an extension, by the way, uh, the IRS. And then the second important thing is, is that organiz- executive directors succeed who have strong boards, and um, particularly over time. And I think that executive directors um, 
uh, it's such a, it's a very easy trap to blame other people. We all do that. You know, we all, uh, in every aspect of our lives, but a particularly egregious problem is executive director saying, the problem is my board didn't do this or they did do that. And, you know, you can say that for the first year or maybe two years, but after that, it's really your fault um, if they aren't, if they aren't working in a strong way. So I think so, that that I, so anyway, that's kind of, I, I, anyway, I just, I mean, I just can't, most of what you see in that field is conventional wisdom kind of tweaked. Well, I want to explore something you just said. First of all, I really love what you just said about the the board's responsibility to the community and the IRS, because they're, they're the leadership of the community, whereas the CEO is the leadership of staff and the organization. So, so I love that. But you, you made the statement that if, if the board continues to fail after a while, it's kind of the CEO's fault, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so one of the problems with the structure of, uh, of the way organizations are structured is that the board is both the boss of the CEO and at the same time expected to be kind of trained and groomed and, uh, and, and put into place by the CEO, which is a very tough dance to do. Well, that's it. Yes. That's it. And I think, you know, dancing is actually a good metaphor because, you know, the best dance teams are both people like dancing with the stars, right? It, when they're both good, right? But one, right. if you have one weak one partner in dancing with the stars, the other one can't be twice as good and make up for it. You know, uh, right. uh, the way I think about it is that the board as a whole uh, is the boss of the CEO, exactly as what you said. But actually, board members as individuals, they actually work under the direction of staff. And so let me give you an example. So I used to be the board chair of the Asia Pacific Islander Wellness Center. And in that role, the board, not me, the whole board hired a new executive director, right? I didn't do that. The board did it. But on the other hand, when it comes to fundraising, the uh, development director sends me a list of five names and says, Jan, will you call these people? And then he calls me a week later and says, hey, did you do it? Right? So when it comes to the board acting as a whole, the board is the boss. But when we're acting as individuals, we're acting as volunteers, typically under the direction of staff. So that's kind of an easy way to understand uh, the difference. I don't know a single executive director who doesn't have influence to bring, sometimes very strong influence, sometimes a little bit weaker, um, on who is on the board. And one of the ways I think about it is like if you were an executive director and you had a, a team of people on your staff that was doing a bad job, you wouldn't just sit back and complain about them. Like, oh my gosh, that department is so terrible. They're driving me crazy. They're horrible. You would say, oh, you, and you also would not step in and do that department's job for them, right? That's unrealistic. So what you would do is you would say, either I need to coach the department head to getting better at this, or I need to fire that department head and get somebody new in. So sometimes the best thing an executive director can do is just say, for this year, I'm going to ignore everything except to get two really strong people on the board. Um, but it's a lot more fun to complain. I get that. Well, but I think uh, it's very hard to get a bad board, a board that's not effective, to understand this idea that as individual board members, they work under the direction of the staff. Because I think a lot of ineffective boards have the opposite idea. They think every single one of the board members is the boss of the, of the CEO and should direct them and tell them what to do. There's two sides, right? There are some boards where everybody thinks they're the boss. And then there's the other side that thinks if they say anything about anything, they're micromanaging. So they just hands off on everything, right? 
So, True. but you know, it's like, look at how complicated a relationship is between any two individuals, right? So, you know, a relationship between the staff and the board, that's going to be complicated and it takes, you know, it, it takes effort. It isn't something that gets um, just solved. But I do think that we need to pay much more attention to how to change up who's on the board compared to how we pay attention to telling the board things that they weren't recruited to do and don't want to do and they weren't told they were going to have to do. And so the last thing they really feel like doing is listening to somebody telling them what they ought to do. Yeah, I, I had a, a very good training once um, through Executive Service Corps down in, in Los Angeles. Um, and uh, Jeffrey Wilcox was the trainer and he he had made the uh, uh, case that if you're having problems with board politics, don't go directly between you and the board member, but get another board member to intercede on your behalf, which I think is very helpful. But, um, you know, it's very hard dealing with those. Like if you have 20 relationships with 20 board members, it, it, any one of them who is a very strong personality can can tank a lot of things. Yes, that's right. And that's why maybe if, if you have a strong personality on the board who's just tanking things one after another, and usually such a personality also makes people leave the board or not participate because it's so unpleasant, then maybe the only, the most important thing you can do this year is just to figure out how to get rid of that person and get a better person in. That's the only thing that matters that year. Yeah. And, but sometimes if you have a strong personality on the board who's also bringing in a lot of money to the board, that becomes much more difficult. Yes, definitely. Well, sometimes you have to go, yeah, you're going to have to get around that person. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I would love a, a, I would love for you to teach me how to do that because that's one thing I've never in, in 35 years of doing this, I've never quite figured out how to go around somebody who's an A-type personality that is very strong on the board and brings in a lot of money and, and uh, makes it difficult to get around them. Do you have any tips you know, for us? Maybe some, other, maybe some other time, you know, we can do a podcast on how to recruit board members. Um, that's typically an area where people, you know, rely on the question, like, who do we know, you know, and things like that, that, that tends to kind of over time or kind of actually deteriorate things. But, yeah, you know, getting around or managing a difficult person isn't, is like getting around or managing a difficult spouse. Okay, which is to say that it's, you can't really discuss it in the abstract. You have to discuss it in terms of a specific person in a specific context. That's fair enough. Well, you know, uh, I think I'll, I'll lay out for you what I think in terms of board development, recruiting new members, because I agree with you that a lot of people just get their friends, which doesn't necessarily help the organization. I, I always feel like I, when I when I talk to boards, I always tell them, you know, the churches are kind of what charitable organizations came from and they have this idea of the three the three t's time talent and treasure and if if people looked at their boards in terms of time talent and treasure i think they'd have better boards a lot of times people just look at the treasure and they don't get enough people on their boards with special skills and they don't get enough people on their boards who maybe are alumni of the program or parents of alumni of the program that really care about the program enough to donate time and be the staff of the board so that you don't have to use all the staff time to do board issues. And, uh, and that's very helpful to the board. And you can bring in a lot of diversity uh, and uh, socioeconomic diversity and age diversity by looking at those two other T's. Uh, and I think people forget that. And a lot of people don't even talk to their volunteers. They might have some strong volunteers who've been with them for years and never been asked to be on a board. Right, exactly. That's a very common problem, yeah. 
I think similarly, we, we don't ask our biggest donors to also volunteer. You know, we sort of put people in these different boxes and you're kind of stuck in one or the other. Yeah, and it's terrible when a board doesn't even come and see the programs or the mission in action. Well, I think that you have to really um, think a little bit more about what does what does our organization need at this moment in our history? Um, and that, you know, sometimes, you know, you need, um, uh, so, you know, you may need somebody who is a Nobel Prize winner, even if they never come to a board meeting ever, right? Because that's what your organization needs is that credibility to a certain audience. And, and other times, you know, somebody who doesn't come to a meeting, no matter what else they have, that's just not going to be helpful. So, I think it's important to think about what your organization needs now as opposed to what do organizations in general need in general. And so, for example, if you're trying to get a county contract, um, maybe the most important board member you need right now is somebody who has good connections with the county and is willing to use them. Uh, and uh, so I, I think that um, kind of grounding board recruitment is the first important thing. And I think the second thing, in addition to what you were saying, is that you know, we tend to recruit people for what they are as opposed to what they're going to do. So people tend to say, like, well, we need a CPA. Well, you know, somebody who's an accounts receivable at a big major bank may not be as helpful as a non-CPA who's the uh, finance director for a small nonprofit, right? So I think we tend to think about people more in terms of who they are, and we need to think about more about what what we want them to actually do. Yeah, and I think you also you don't assume that just because someone is a CPA, that's what they want to do on your board. They may be tired of doing that all day right. and want to do something different. Mm-hmm. Although I think that's definitely true, although for those of us who come out of finance, the only thing worse than being on the finance committee on a board is not being on the finance committee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see that. We just can't stand it. We just can't stand it if we aren't, don't know what the deal is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's a good point. Well, is there any other a, a bullshit from boards that you'd like to unpack? Oh, well, but this is only this is only a podcast, right? Not a 13. It would be <laughs> like a, a series that say 100 podcasts, you know, the 100 pop bullshit things. Uh, you could totally do a book on, just on. That'd be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Number you know, I'm hoping this. Right? I'm hoping this podcast will go on for years because there's plenty of bullshit. <laughs> In the whole world, not just nonprofits. I mean, it's just this astonishing. This is true. I actually recently read a book on bullshit, and and one of the points it made is that there actually is no good synonym for the word bullshit. (laughs) Think about that for a while. Yes, yeah, that's true. It's Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like it's one of those words like aloha can mean a lot of different things in different circumstances. (laughs) (laughs) You need to rename your podcast like Aloha Bullshit. This is the part of the podcast where I'm going to set you free and ask you, is there any bullshit that just weighs on you that you'd like to get off your chest about a 501c3 organizations? Well, I would say this, that yes, I'd say one final thing would be that um, there is a myth that even nonprofits believe, which is that nonprofits are inefficient and don't get very much done. And, you know, if you really look at it, nonprofits are incredibly efficient. Look what we do with the resources that we have, and we're incredibly effective. So if you look at every single social idea that has come around, like the idea that women should have equal rights, the idea that LGBT people should not be discriminated against, the idea that we should take care of the earth, um, these ideas are all ideas that were incubated in the nonprofit community, and we should take pride, pride in how our 
our impact, not just in terms of services, but in terms of changing conventional wisdom and the way we think about the world. Um, we should just shut, we should take pride in what we do and not be just so self-abnegating all the time. Like, get over it. We're cool. I agree. I agree with you. I think, you know, I wrote a, I wrote an article once about the idea that if Democrats and Republicans uh, and libertarians and communists and whoever could all come together on one idea, and that is to, to give more money, not less money to nonprofits, then government would have to do more, less and nonprofits could do things a lot more efficiently. Huh. Well, that's the one thing I think is important to make is many thousands and thousands of nonprofits have both Republicans and Democrats on their boards. And they work together, and they figure out things, and um, and those boards should be a good model for Congress. Yes, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Well, listen, it's been a complete pleasure to have you, and I hope you'll become a fan of the podcast. I would, I would love it if you'd share it and and listen to it and check it out. I will oh, ask you one. More, I'll ask you one last thing. Is there anything you'd like to plug while I have you here? Well, you know, I'm now the CEO of the California Association of Nonprofits, and we're a policy coalition and of 10,000 nonprofits in California. And I do think that, you know, engaging in public policy is really important for our constituents, but it's also a smart business strategy. So it's worth taking five minutes a month to think about what, what should we be doing in public policy. I want to thank you for taking the time with us on 501c3bs. Check out my Twitter feed at 501c3bs, my webpage at zootvelasco.com, and my book, The First 100 Days, on Amazon. The music is provided to us from our good friends at the traditional Brazilian choral group, Grupo Falso Baiano and Amy Molinelli. Find them at grupofalsobaiano.com. Thank you for listening. Have a great day free from BS. <laughs>